Welcome one and welcome all. We are live this evening on Berry Flow Upstream 76. We'll be celebrating our Black Friday weekend that we guys we all shared across our, our American Thanksgiving. Here with an awesome cast today, we have Crackberry's editor in chief, Mr. Blaze. How you doing, man? I'm on time this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Blaze this week has gotten in front of the time zone as opposed to the time zone getting in front of him. <laughs> awesome to have you on, man, as always. Uh, joined us, we are here with Alex Bass of Cyberbytes Inc. How are you doing, Alex? What's up, what's up? Good. You know, I actually, I think this is the first Black Friday slash Cyber, well, not yet Cyber Monday, that I haven't bought anything, and I really don't think I'm going to. So it's definitely a strange year for me, at least. I bought... Stuff for my kid, that's about it, for Christmas. Yeah. But I didn't actually buy anything for myself, like, personally. Which is kind of odd, because I'm, like, <laughs> all about the deals, right? Yeah. But this year, I'm kind of like, eh, whatever. deals. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, because, like, you know, you're a collector, so you've already got, like, almost everything you want. So. Yeah, I mean, that's part of, part of the problem, right? Like... There's very little out there that I actually, like, really, really want. And the stuff that I really, you know, like, really, really do want is usually, like, high-end expensive stuff that I can't afford anyway, so. <laughs> right now, uh, for, for Blaze's, Blaze's secret desire is to have that Vienna next, because it's the one thing you can't have quite yeah. yet. That'll be it. It's funny, because, like, I, you know, I think back on the Vienna, and I really think, like, if they can nail some of the, some of the actual, like, the actual hardware and make sure that hardware is on point... We have a, a real good shot at it, and I know we've seen some weird rumors with like Exynos processors, and you know I didn't even want to give that any time of day. But it is interesting to think about the implications if they, you know, if they are looking really to kind of cut down on costs. What kind of alternatives do they have for for some of their future devices? So it's kind of interesting. Uh, what we're going to be covering today is a little bit of priv availability, how that's expanded to some other regions as well, talking about some special pricing for Black Friday shoppers at Shop Blackberry, some good discounts there. So we're going to be talking about Blackberry kind of defending themselves and their Android security implementation, and that's a pretty interesting kind of discussion we'll have. And as well, I want to talk about, as well, priv launching over in Vietnam, and, and it looks like they're having some kind of little event over there, which is kind of cool. But that'll be the topic list here for today. Let's get started, guys, talking about the availability on Amazon, that BlackBerry was able to get these devices back up. Do you find, at least currently, that the kind of supply of these devices has been a good sign or a bad sign? I know, like, limited availability sometimes hurts, you know, the rollout and launch of devices, but I think kind of personally that this might be a good thing for BlackBerry, especially because, like, some comparable devices, like the 6P, also had kind of device shortages there for a little bit. Do you think this is something BlackBerry is going to manage well? Well, I think that they they actually managed to get a handle on it now. It just seems a little bit unfortunate that they didn't have it like directly from the from the get go, right? Like the availability for it, because you know it it seems now as we went, I guess pretty much as we went into Black Friday, that is really when the availability actually really started, because you know they had they had them on shop BlackBerry and Amazon basically sold out again, like. It, we we whenever we put up a post saying Amazon has them, it, they basically sell out and then they no longer had them. So I think Amazon was shipping them for like the 28th as of now or something like that, like 28th or 29th, which would be today. But you know, hopefully they'll have them and they don't have it listed. So overall, I mean, I think it it wasn't it wasn't a really good thing to 
not have these devices available, especially for those who who you know pre-ordered. There was a lot of a lot of pre-orders who were were basically complaining that you know people were able to go into the store and pick one up, but those that pre-ordered weren't shipped out already. So you know you never like to hear any of that sort of thing happening, and it seems kind of odd that that you know happened to take place, but. You know, in the long run, it seems like now BlackBerry has got a handle on, on how much the demand is there, or at least they have had more devices available because they're they're constantly available on Shop BlackBerry now, which is which is you know nobody likes to be able nobody likes to be told that they have to wait for something that they desperately want, like right now. You know what I mean? It's never never a good thing. And it's really tough, you know, as we expand on that with the carrier availability. At least you, yeah. I know, you know, Canadians have a little bit of an advantage, right? The home home turf for BlackBerry, but here in the U.S., it's just AT and T. So, like, you know, Alex's, you know, accolades of uh, having to switch over his whole entire family from Verizon. How many how many families and people out there are actually going to do that, a type of move like that for this kind of device? You know, not not too many. So it really is limited right now. And as you said post Black Friday, it seems like they're finally kind of like have a control on the manufacturing. They know what the numbers are. They know how many they need to make. And it seems like they've got a much better handle on it now. So I'm, a, I'm looking forward to see a little bit more in the future, Alex. Uh, what are some of your thoughts? Do you think it's it's a good thing that they had some tight availability from the jump? Or do you think they really needed to have kind of a better handle on this being that it was such a, you know, a pivotal device for them? I think, again, like we had this whole discussion in the previous podcast is how important carriers are. So I think it's not that big of a deal that they're kind of selling out and running out of stock and everything because I think more of the problem is a lot of people on, you know, even T-Mobile, they probably want to buy through through T-Mobile. They, they're relying on carriers. So I think it's more important to get the carriers, get this phone in the carrier's hands rather than like, oh, no, we need to make sure Shop Blackberry has enough devices and, you know, Amazon, it's unlocked. Sure, I bought a lot of phones through Amazon, but I bought it through the upgrade plan through Verizon through Amazon. So, and I think this is just an unlocked smartphone. So, I think the majority of the market wouldn't even necessarily be buying it directly unlocked anyway. Um, but again, you know, for the hardcore fans that would have maybe otherwise bought the 6P, it is a little bit of a shame that's been so tough to, you know, get their hands on this device. But... It's definitely something that I think for BlackBerry should have not existed, right? I think for a device like this, you want to, whenever there's even interest, someone's even looking at that, like, buy it now button, that it's there for them. I think there are some people who may wait until next year to see if Priv becomes available on other carriers and have already moved on. And that's something I, I fear with a, this kind of weird delay that's been there. But ultimately, you know, the devices are here, and the delay hasn't been that substantial. People have had their devices since the jump on day one. So I'm not too, too worried about it, but I am glad to see that at least it's hitting like other territories as well, like Shop Blackberry UK has had the Priv available, so that's nice as well. Again, it, sometimes these Shop Blackberry regions don't really get every device, so at least, you know, they're expanding into their other territories and pretty steadfastly, right? As well, they're going to be launching over in Vietnam December 5th, which is my birthday turn up. So, you know, that's uh, it's, it's some cool stuff. Priv continues to roll out here, and it doesn't seem like the, the momentum behind it is fizzling out at all. It seems like it's only kind of picking up from here. Do you guys think, like, a, the launch of Marshmallow and Priv will have people re-examine it? Do you think, like, that's maybe a reason to wait on some of the bigger, you know, some of the other carriers, be it Verizon and T-Mobile? Like, what's more important, getting the device out the door or getting the device out the door with the OS it 
probably was built for, you know, and, and some okay. of the other features refined out and the bugs fixed. Do you think, again, are they going to use this kind of grace period as a benefit to them, or is it just kind of poor execution? Yeah. I don't know. I think it's it probably a little bit of poor... I don't, I don't really want to say it's poor execution because we've, we've seen these sort of problems with BlackBerry in the past, and I don't even necessarily know if it's, like, really a problem. Maybe, for all we know, it could be, you know, pretty much planned out that way because of the fact that you know, they don't want to be left with a bunch of devices that may or may not sell, right? Um, you know, they had that massive write-down with the Z10s or whatever before, and everything has been kept pretty low-key since then. So, you know, it, it's one of those things that I... Personally, to me, I think that the the, the rollout has been a little bit too slow. Uh, I think that they, they really should have went all out and tried to make a, as much impact as possible with the... Uh, with the rollout, like, yeah, we got it in the UK, we got it in Canada, we got it in the US, but Vietnam, I mean, you know, great for the those folks in Vietnam, but what about, you know, the folks in in, uh, in Dubai and stuff like that that all want these devices? Like, every single day that we post something about the priv, it, it's just nothing but a constant stream of people are like, when is it coming to Indonesia? When is it coming to, you know, insert your own country, whatever... <laughs> and it's like we don't necessarily know like if we knew then you probably wouldn't be asking anyways because you'd probably be reading about it right I don't know it just seems a little bit too slow to me like I, I kind of want I, I, I want them to really nail it and just give it to everybody who possibly wants it right now that's how you, how you make an impact right yeah and you need to keep in mind that like okay sure when Marshmallow comes on the phone probably early 2016 we're also going to start seeing some phones that will have the new Snapdragon 820 processors, which apparently are phenomenal, like from the kind of power and energy efficiency and, and features that it has. So it's a bit worrisome because even I want a phone that has an 820 processor in it. So if people are waiting to buy the priv to wait for the Marshmallow update, I think there's going to already be Android devices out there around that point that will be maybe a little bit better bang for the buck. But again, you know, if you do want the keyboard and that is the sole reason you're going to buy the phone, then sure. But I think there's also people who don't necessarily want the keyboard, but they like the phone, and that's where the, the newer phones at that point in time when Marshmallow comes might be a little bit more appealing. Yeah, that's, that's the yeah. other side of the equation is that the Android world, like that BlackBerry just basically jumped into, it moves quick. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're, you pretty much have a device... For, for a month, that's like the window of, of attention on your device. <laughs> once once that month is up, people start to move on. Newer devices come out, and you know, better specs, different screens, better displays, whatever. Right? The Android world is pretty pretty quick in that terms. Like BlackBerry can't do, um, you know, with with the priv is what they did on on previous devices. Like you can't let that. Let the priv be the only thing that you have to work with for the next year. You know what I mean? Because by the time that year rolled out, people are already moved on and just don't give a damn anymore, right? So they need—they basically need to have something that's going to go ahead and re reinvigorate the priv. And I think Marshmallow will will help them. Like like you said, there are going to be people who are going to, you know, take a second look at the priv once Marshmallow comes out. They'll take a you know, even myself, I, I'm totally planning on, you know, having a second look at the Priv running Marshmallow versus it running Lollipop for Crackberry. I mean, that's obviously something that we're going to have to 
to go ahead and have a look at. But Blackberry, you know, they can't they can't really rest on, on the crib. There needs to be some some sort of action happening there because yeah. Android moves quick. And and really, Blackberry hasn't so far. We've seen one update to all the core apps across <laughs> this month that it's been out. And and really, that update was kind of like waiting there for us when the device came. So like, we haven't really seen much in terms of like updates to to fix or patch. Some of the, you know, Burgoyne things on the device, those small little things that people are complaining about. I mean, there's bugs. There's obviously going to be bugs in the areas where BlackBerry just hasn't yet built out that far, right, in terms of the scope of functionality. That's that's going to be the case. But there's just some things that, like, shouldn't be missed. Like, yeah. for me, for me, like, double double tap to close, like, needs to be there. Like, yeah. like it's almost like they built half a solution, you know? At the same time, I wonder if that's just us being, you know, really attentive to BlackBerry's situation. Do, like, do real people care, you know, picking up this device that there isn't necessarily a whole bunch of updates flowing through Google Play as of yet for it? Yeah, you're, you know, you're so right about that, Blaze. You're so right. Because, like, if you look at, like, BlackBerry Hub, for us, us BlackBerry 10 users, it's kind of like this weird thing that doesn't quite stack up to our expectation. But to an Android user who doesn't have that preconceived notion of how BlackBerry Hub functions and the way it works. It's a phenomenal app. I mean, there's tons of awesome features and, and abilities there. And, and, you know, that's one of the things. My friend, he was on a Samsung Galaxy prior to this, but I had also got him on BlackBerry um, Z10 right when it came out. So he did appreciate the hub, but he switched to Android in the meantime, and now he essentially went from an Android device to the Priv. He's saying that he's not even using the hub because it's slow, and he's, you know, he's like, I really wish it was just working. And I've talked to my stepbrother, but again, he's from BlackBerry 10, and he's like, the hub's not working all that great. Um, so, like, everyone I talk to about the hub, they're really not happy with the performance of it, and they're not even really using it. But again, it's tough because all of these people are BlackBerry 10 users, so they do, again, like what you just said, they, they have experience with the proper hub, so it, it's difficult. But. Yeah, there's that, there's that instant comparison based on the hub directly, like, built into their mind, so... And, and people shouldn't really linger on that too much, right? Because at the end of the day, it's going to continue to get updates, whether we want them or not, right? Like, BlackBerry has developed and set themselves aside time and priority to do these software suites of applications. It's really kind of interesting to think as they go forward how they're going to refine it further. Because right now, the way it's implemented in terms of at least launching the application, it's pretty robust. And a lot of the stuff is pretty robust in terms of like going out and doing it, what you need to do for most things. It's interesting. I just moved from Gmail for some of my email because I got multiple accounts. So I keep my main account in Hub. I have that main account also in Inbox, and then I have yeah. some accounts in Gmail. And it's interesting to see, again, how like the different apps work and parlay with one another. And it's like I, I really have to make a decision. Like, Do I just shut off all those notifications and go all BlackBerry Hub? and keep Hub open all the time so it works the way I kind of want it to work? Or do I jump over to, you know, just using the notification tray? There's a lot of just weird redundancy. And it's almost like BlackBerry, by a software standpoint, has, like, said, make a decision on how you want to use this, you know? But we're giving you every option to do so. How, how, so how are you currently using that? Because I was at a point, too, where I had, I had Inbox because I like archiving my messages. So I'd have an, it would come in through Inbox, but I also had Hub. So I would click Done in Inbox, and then I'd swipe to the right for hub, and that's right. essentially what I was doing. And then at one point, I just disabled the notifications from inbox because I didn't want to get a uh, notification, like a sound notification twice, and I couldn't really find a way to silence the sound notification, but I could probably play around with a little bit more. Um, and I guess I'm just torn now because now I'm just using the hub, and I'm not overly happy with it because I now, now I miss inbox a little bit. So 
I, I don't know what to do. The hardest thing, at least for me, was figuring out which apps I needed to keep open to, to give me the semblance of the experience I was used to on BlackBerry 10. And that's not what I should do with Android, right? Yeah. Like, we should be embracing it for what it is as opposed to trying to, like, make it work as BlackBerry 10 does. But honestly, I've set the recent applications section as tiles so that yeah. they're all uniform in shape, kind of like on BlackBerry 10. And I always keep four open. I keep Inbox open. I try to keep BlackBerry Hub open. I keep Chrome open. And I normally keep Spotify open. And those are the four main ones. With Twitter and in those things, if I if I access a notification, I don't go and close the app, but I leave it open. So for I, some of the things it's going to access, yeah, it's the same, same layout, and I'll, I'll lock on for you there, Alex. Yeah, the one thing, though, I would recommend probably not keeping Chrome open because if Chrome on Android is anything like it is on Windows, it is a RAM <laughs> hog. It is, oh, man. So I, I would probably recommend against that, but if you're not getting problems with it, then I guess you're probably fine, but... Why is my phone so slow? Oh, it's Chrome <laughs> taking every single piece of memory on my device. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's Chrome and 20 open incognito windows. That I <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of one of those things, too, where it's like with BBM, because it's integrated well into BlackBerry Hub, do you really need to launch the app that much? I mean, not really. Not for things, you know, like except for channels and some of those oddball notifications. But those are inconsistencies that I find kind of tarnish the experience. Like, for instance, if you take the BBM application and put it sideways, right, some of the app's windows and panes in the app go horizontal and give you yeah. a nice kind of landscape experience, whereas some other areas in the application are going to revert you back, and it's just this weird kind of just inconsistent kind of feel, and it's like I can't necessarily use it the way I want to. And that's something I found with other Android devices where it was really kind of this guided experience in terms of Android, like Samsung devices with TouchWiz. They kind of guide you toward this this experience they want to give you and they want you to experience. And really, Priv has been this one that it's like, I don't know which which, which way I want to go. Do I want to go like to that more Android route and, and just go with the notification tray and open those apps directly and clear all every you know, 20 minutes or whatever the case may be, or do I want to kind of balance it out? Blaze, how do you find yourself using the device, and, and, and what kind of performance are you looking for to manage that as well? Because I'll, I'll say that the Perv is just bizarre. It's really this, it's really, it performs really well when you need it to, and then at like times you don't, it's kind of like lagging. Like, what? <laughs> I'm doing nothing on this device, and I'm getting like stutters and weird, weird nonsense, and it's not frequent at all by any means. But it'll happen when I'm running like three apps, but when I have like four or five open or seven, it's, it's butter. <laughs> when I'm playing games, it's butter, but like, doing weird stuff throughout the OS, you know, I get this this weird, and you can tell it's like that encryption too, right? And it's, yeah, it's mean, definitely keeping itself running at full steam. Where do you guys experience, if you've experienced, some of like the heat on the device? Because I feel like for a lot of users, it's, they're all getting that heat from basically the same area. And I get it right basically next to the, the volume rocker area and kind of this top right area. But it's, again, it's weird. I could have no apps open and the thing's running hot. Or have a bunch open and <laughs> it's cool to the touch. So. I, I, I I literally downloaded a kind of a, an intense game recently um, and I was playing it last night. I played it for a half an hour and my phone really didn't get very warm. But then there are times where in the morning I wake up and I'm on my phone for maybe like 30 minutes and my phone just gets really freaking hot to, the, like to, to my hand. So it's like I could be in a hardcore intense game and everything's fine, but then I can just be doing normal tasks, and there's that. And then in a lot of the reviews, they also mention games run completely fine, but the, you get some random lag and kind of 
problems throughout the OS, so it's obviously not a performance issue because games work like butter, like they should with an 808. But, like, I, I don't know, Chris has said in the past, maybe it is an encryption thing. And that just makes me wish that I could disable it as much as that such a shame, you know, for BlackBerry, you know. Yeah, I still believe that it's pretty much down to an encryption thing. Also, what I've noticed is that, you know, certain certain variants of the device actually sometimes differ. Like, I have right. I have a, a minus 3 version and I have a minus 1 version, and both are essentially on the exact same network. They're both, are, they're both on T-Mobile. They both have the exact same setup, all the same apps. Everything is pretty much identical on them. You know, they're all running on the exact same Wi-Fi. And for some reason, my minus three variant always seems to run a little bit hot, but my minus one variant, which came directly from Shop Blackberry, is perfectly fine. Like it rarely ever gets hot. It it does get hot in like some weird instances, like you said, Alex. Like when you really, when you really shouldn't be getting hot, yeah. that's when it actually gets hot. When you're doing something that you would expect a device to get hot, like playing an intense game or something like that. It's nothing. It doesn't do anything. It's cool. It's like, what the hell? I don't understand what's going on here. But if I'm flipping like through like email or something in the hub, that's when it gets warm. I'm like, this is totally weird. Um, but overall, I mean, there's there's something going on in between the variants, and I don't know what that is. And I'm pretty sure you know there's not there's not really any one specific thing. Maybe it's some network optimization on, on some of the devices that you know maybe. Maybe AT&T's version is a little bit more bloat-heavy or something like that. I don't know, but all I know is I have two different versions, and one of them runs hot kind of like a lot, and the other barely ever gets hot. So it's kind of weird. Um, in terms of the UI and, like, that certain sluggishness, you know, I've, I've experienced some of that as well. And... As others have mentioned, it doesn't necessarily seem to be tied to anything in specific. You know, you could just be doing one certain thing, like scrolling through the Google Play Store, and all of a sudden it'll just start slowing down for pretty much no reason. You close it, you open up the Google Play Store again, and it's perfectly fine, right? But other times, it, you know, you get no leg, you get no stutter, you get nothing, and everything just works perfectly great. Um, I... Again, I personally believe it comes down to the encryption on the device, and it's probably one of those things that, you know, BlackBerry weighed the benefits and the disadvantages for actually leaving the encryption on because, as we as we all should know by now, Google basically said that they weren't going to enable encryption on Lollipop devices by default because of the performance hit, right? So it makes me, makes me wonder, again, like, when Marshmallow rolls around, is this thing, are, are these weird experiences that we're seeing going to disappear? Are they going to get worse? Are they going to get better? What, what's the scenario there? Personally, I think that they're going to get better. It's one of those things that we just kind of have to wait and see. But hopefully, you know, it, it will definitely improve and be something that, you know, it, it becomes something of the past and you no longer have to deal with those little weird issues that keep popping up. But again, BlackBerry has, has quite a few updates to go through as well. I mean, I don't think... I don't think it's unreasonable to say that the BlackBerry Hub isn't necessarily as good as what it can be on Android. They still need to go ahead and push out some updates for it. And maybe the BlackBerry Hub, the way that it works and the way that it functions is causing some of that as well because yeah. you know, the, I don't know if anybody has ever gone and looked at like the BlackBerry services 
and seeing how much memory and how much space that is actually taking up. Like sometimes, sometimes it shows that it's like taking up like 200 megabytes of space on your phone, and then other times it's like taking up like 30 megabytes of space, which is you know significantly nothing compared to like 200 and some megabytes. Like why why is there such a fluctuation in, in the in the database sizes in that application? It just seems like it, it's it, it, it's possibly bogging down the device at certain times when it really shouldn't be. But, again, overall experience, it, those are things that come and go with the device. It, it, there, there, there's nothing that is constantly ongoing that is problematic that you could point to and say, yeah, this is a problem. This, this here specifically needs to be addressed. It's just like little weird things that come up and then they go away and then they come up again and it's kind of weird. It is, and, and, and really, if we, if we look toward Marshmallow as a potential fix for all of it, it can be one of those things that maybe it takes them a little bit of time to make sure, because, again, they have their own security implementation for Lollipop right now. It really makes you wonder, like, why not just wait, you know? I think people would have waited. I don't think... I think definitely they needed to get the device out promptly. Had they not shown it off at Mobile World Congress, started teasing it later on in the year, and pushed for a release with maybe some updated specs in the new year, you know, like what could that have done for the device in, in the way it stands right now? Because as it does, like this is the month where you need that momentum, and they're not really getting it because the device, the device is, is still like in this kind of limbo state, right? Yep. I don't know. I I don't I don't think that they really would have benefited in any sort of way by waiting like. Maybe it would have did more harm, but you know, at that at that point that we reached when when the proof was basically set to come to the shop BlackBerry and AT and T and everything, everybody was kind of like getting exhausted from proof news. Like we said it ourselves, like how much more can we actually talk about the priv? Like, <laughs> you know, I, every single podcast was nothing but priv and basically, you know, when is this device coming out? So I'm pretty sure BlackBerry felt some pressure just because of the fact that the majority of the information about the device itself was already known. Like, they would have just had, they would have just left people waiting even longer if they didn't release it when they did, so. How cool would it have been to, like, take some of that information that they put out and it'd be wrong, you know, like <laughs> all the stuff you've been talking about the last, like, six months we changed the specs, <laughs> you know it's, sure. it's not the device you thought you it would be but, you know, you know, you can always, you can always have those conversations about this or that and whether it would make a big change I, too, am excited to kind of see where where they're going to bring this device to a head here as they go toward you know, next year and how they can really place it in the market because right now it's it's this odd this oddly weird thing that's kind of come out because marketing it seems like one of those things that should be happening now but it seems like they might be waiting till later or they might not market it at all right like it's 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 really really strange on the marketing side of things where we see them active on like Instagram and on some of their yeah. social sites pushing some of these updates right like pushing out different pieces of propaganda and black and white photos that fall in line with this overall privacy and security aesthetic they're going for but you know Blaze, maybe you want to mention what you mentioned on your uh, on your channel because it was such like an yeah. ironic, hilarious point that you know. Oh, about the marketing if, not being really marketing. Right, like, is if perception is reality enough, does marketing really need to be marketing? You know. Yeah, it was interesting because I was like, I was looking at at all these pictures and stuff like that, which you know evidently are are you know real things that they're taking pictures of, like buses 
cover it with AT&T logos and for branding and stuff like that. But, you know, I've, I've never actually seen this bus, so maybe it, does, maybe it technically doesn't exist. Maybe, maybe they just Photoshopped it, and they're pretending to go ahead and do that actual marketing by sharing that image on, on Instagram. Maybe, maybe the bus isn't even real. Maybe, maybe their non-marketing is actually their marketing, right? So, if, you know, obviously I don't believe that's the case, but it just seems kind of funny that you know, the, only, the only place that we're genuinely seeing marketing is kind of like, you know, on those little tiny ads that everybody sees on the web and, you know, their Instagram channel and their BBM channel and stuff like that it just seems kind of kind of odd. Like, where where are the real people taking pictures of these buses and stuff? I'd like to be able to see, like, the actual bus, not from BlackBerry. Like, I want BlackBerry fans showing me these things, not BlackBerry themselves. It doesn't seem real at that point, right? Yeah, it seems like one of those like those unicorns, you know, like you just saw something that's it's probably not real, but it's it's just really really funny because it puts Proven just this really weird place in terms of like market reality. Like it's almost like this, you, you know, I hear about Priv, I don't see Priv, I don't know Priv, but it it exists, you know, it is in AT and T stores, and I checked out a couple other ones, and you know, the device is there, it's it's out in in broad daylight. The ones I've seen have been plugged in. The screen has been on. I mean, it's it's there. So, I mean, are they looking for AT&T to maybe push this device harder? Because I don't see that happening at all, like in terms of the device coming out and, and AT&T really getting behind it. But, I mean, you know, this is, where, this is kind of the point I want to bring us to if we're looking at Priv and we're looking at Android and you're looking at cost and you're looking at price. You know, Alex mentioned, you know, beginning of next year, we're going to have a whole slew of other Android devices, right? So if security and the keyboard are not things you value, you know, or the BlackBerry productivity experience are not things you value, there's tons of other options for you. This is a, a niche device for sure. And yes, it can play to a much larger potential audience, but it's still a niche device. It's still BlackBerry. It aims for that specific demographic. And again, if you come look at some of the pricing options and, and things, if you're looking at all the numbers between... Some of these devices, and as well, Priv, this BlackBerry 10 devices are looking better and better, like, to be honest, especially over this Black Friday uh, weekend that we've had here, where they've been doing up to, like, 20% off on some of these devices. 20% off, like, the Silver Edition Passport, which is probably, like, one of the best BlackBerry devices ever made. I mean, wh where do you guys feel, at, at least right now in BlackBerry status, would you buy a, a device using an OS that may have no potential viability years to come? Because, again, you're going to buy a phone user for about one to two years. I still think BlackBerry 10 is going to be quite viable as an OS, quite efficient, quite utilitarian. Does it have no value at this point? Is that why? I just don't want people to think this this thing is like a, a fire sale because it's not really a fire sale. This is something they do like every year. You know, it's, it's yeah, exactly. another seasonal sale. I don't know. For specific people, I don't think there's any problem with going out and buying a BlackBerry 10 device now. If you've been lusting over, over a Passport Silver Edition, there's pretty much no reason as to why you shouldn't buy it now, Like, especially with, with it being on sale or whatever. I mean, the OS is what the OS is. I mean, it, you should buy it with the understanding that, you know, you're probably not going to get that many updates for it, and the updates that do come to it are not going to be significant, but you know, the BlackBerry 10 devices are still powerhouses when it comes to productivity and efficiency. Like, even the Passport battery, like, that thing lasts for hours. If messaging, 
and communication and emails and all that stuff are pretty much on your agenda and that's you know, really the only thing that you genuinely care about, like just being productive and being efficient, and there's no reason for why you shouldn't buy a BlackBerry 10 device. Like they're still great devices, the hardware is good, the battery on the Passport Silver Edition or, you know, even the Passport in general is absolutely amazing, so you know that the device is going to last you a long time. Um, you know, it, it really comes down to what you want out of your device. Um, the only the only problem is there is that you know when it comes down to the app ecosystem, there's not much of an app ecosystem. But I think by now, anybody who is interested in the passport, you know, already knows that. Like you know what you're getting into when you buy these devices, and you know for a fact they're not just going to magically stop working. Like the OS doesn't just disable itself at some point in time when BlackBerry says, "Yeah, you know, whatever." Um, there's no reason not to buy them. I, I if if I was in the market for a new BlackBerry device, and I wanted something cost-effective, but still pretty awesome. I would definitely pick up a Silver Edition Passport because it's one of, like you said, it's one of the best devices that BlackBerry has ever made, hardware-wise. Um, aesthetically, it's beautiful as well, and you know, it has everything that you need. If email and communication and you know productivity are pretty much the only thing on your list, it's just again when it comes down to to the app ecosystem, if you're, you know, if you're looking to go ahead and be on Snapchat and Periscope and stream YouTube and all this stuff in more advanced ways, then it's obviously not the device for you. Alex is like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go back to my Z30 real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Would you go back, Alex? I mean, I mean, are you in, in just deeply involved in Android now that you would never look back to a BlackBerry 10 device? Where are, you, where are you at in terms of your BB10 faithfulness? From from this, like, okay, I use, for instance, Harvest a lot for work, so, like, I am always just sliding up my phone, pressing H, and tracking my time, and I use that to bill clients and to track my own time. And Harvest on BlackBerry 10, the Android port, yes, it works, but it's, like, launching it, I have to wait, like, 10 seconds, and I have to click, and sometimes it lags, and I can't even do it, and by the time I start the timer, I'm already in the app for a minute, whereas here I could be, like, just start it within five seconds and be done with it. So in terms of productivity, these apps that I use on a daily basis, I really don't think I can go back to BlackBerry 10. But in terms of like missing the hub, I genuinely have this feeling of just missing things in terms of like, I feel like I'm missing some emails occasionally or just some kind of weird, I don't know if it's just mental or what's going on, but I just feel like when I go to the hub on this phone, it's just or I don't get like notifications immediately in terms of, uh, two hours later, I'll be like, "Wait a minute, he BBM'd me, or he sent me an email. I wasn't, I didn't even notice it." So I feel like I'm missing some things. Whereas I was really good with it on um, the Z30, but then again on the Z30, I'd always be like in an app, swipe up to the right, and be like, "Oh, that's what's going on in the hub," and then go right back in the app, like when I'm waiting in a loading screen or something. So uh, it's such a trade-off, right? Like the apps, I can't go back because of the apps, but the OS part of it, like I miss it, and I always will. And it sounds like BlackBerry heard that same exact kind of feedback, right? Like when they're planning out an Android device, there are probably people who had to weigh those same benefits and ultimately probably came to the same conclusion you did, that apps ultimately have that benefit over the productivity stuff that is literally baked into the overall UI of, of BB10. Because really, a lot of those other experiences... I need my BlackBerry calendar, you know, I need my BlackBerry tasks, I need my BlackBerry hub. Well, they brought all that over. So there's not much that users are going to want for with Priv. 
And it really is kind of that middle-of-the-ground device. Blaze, for you, is there anything you miss on BlackBerry 10? I mean, you wrote out a while back your top five things you loved and hated about <laughs> kind of the Priv <laughs> and its offering between the various OS. As you rest and play with Priv and sometimes Privs more, do you find yourself really missing BlackBerry 10? Is there anything you'd go back for at this point? Um, pretty much the only thing that I like genuinely deep down miss is what Alex said. It there is that kind of like feeling that basically you're missing out on some stuff. Like the notifications aren't as robust um, as what they were. So you know you don't you don't have that customization ability that you have on BlackBerry 10. At least not not to the to the capacity as what BlackBerry 10 had. I mean you can still customize your notifications and stuff like that pretty amazingly, but it takes way more time. It takes way more effort. Um, you know, you have to, you genuinely have to sit down and figure out these things, um, whereas on BlackBerry 10, it was pretty much, you know, a universal a universal spot to be able to go to, control all your notifications, and that's it. Um, on on Priv, you kind of have to go in by, like, an app-by-app -app basis and find out, you know, which which notification is being sent from this application, where does it go, and what LED color does it use, because a lot of apps have have thought about that process, and they, they basically built in their own LED options, right? Um, so there's no unified notification yeah. experience on there. Um, so you kind of have to, like, bounce around and, and, like I said, legitimately sit down and figure everything out in order to be able to go ahead and even get somewhat of a re replication of that process on on Priv. Um, so I guess what I'm, you know, the, the meat and potatoes of it all is that I miss some of the notification systems, and I miss, I guess, I guess you could basically sum it up as, like, the fluidity of Hub. It's not as uh, a fluid of an experience, and we, we've already discussed that, but, you know, it, that that's pretty much what it breaks down to. The notification system is not exactly where I would want it to be um, in comparison to BlackBerry 10 for sure. And I guess, the uh, again, the, the hub fluidity isn't necessarily on par with BlackBerry 10. So those are, are two genuine, like, deep things that I, I really, really miss from from uh, BlackBerry 10. Sure. Yeah, Chris, you and me, we had a conversation about it at one point where this is the notification system within settings. And it's like you click on BBM, and it's like, well, where's the LED color? Well, BBM decided to actually put that information in the app. You could change the tone in the LED. Some apps put it in the settings and, you know, where I guess you'd expect it to kind of be. Other apps put it within the app. Like Twitter, it's really deep inside of the Twitter app if you want to change, change the... Uh, the sound notification for your Twitter account. So it's like you have all these apps kind of choosing to do it the way they want to do it, and some apps don't even give you the functionality to change the alert noise or LED color. So I, I can completely agree with that. We were so spoiled on BlackBerry 10, and it's funny because we, we were sick about BlackBerry 10 because it was a joke compared to legacy BlackBerry with how many notification settings you had, but then it slowly got that, and you know it's just funny how, how far behind Android is with that. Yeah, and I, I really don't understand, like, why Android doesn't or why Google doesn't, you know, put the hammer down and, and sort of sort that thing out. Like, and, you know, it, it's kind of hard for me as a BlackBerry 10 user because, like, I'm looking at it from the BlackBerry 10 perspective and thinking, this is not that great. This is pretty terrible when you, when you sum it up. But to an Android user 
who knows? Maybe they think it's the best thing since sliced bread because of the fact that they have these options and these customization options yeah. to go through. Like, you know, maybe maybe they really love the fact that it, there is no central location to be able to go ahead and control these things. Meanwhile, as a BlackBerry 10 user, I'm like, Jesus, why isn't there yeah. just like a central notification spot that I can go to and control all of these applications? Like, it, it just seems so logical to be to be able to go ahead and do yeah. that. Again, you know, you don't know what you don't know. If you haven't had it before, then you don't necessarily want it. Same, like, we bring that up about the fingerprint sensor. If you yeah. haven't had it before, you really don't want it. But once you have it, maybe it's great. It's funny because, like, we have people who, you know, review the Priv, and they're obviously Android users. They're obviously well-versed well well in the Android world, and they come to the Priv specifically, and they love BlackBerry's small modifications to it, which I find amusing. They love pop-up widgets. Yeah, they may have seen it before, but they love that it's here, right? They love that you can add in the icon packs from the BlackBerry launcher. They love that, you know, from the notification tray, you can sort and filter by notification type so that you can kind of get that view on a per-app basis. And it's like these are all things that we've had already on BlackBerry 10. These are all things we're so accustomed to and maybe we have taken for granted as time goes by, right? As we've had it for years. And it's funny, just these, these small things that I, just kind of bring me to a point where BlackBerry 10, BlackBerry specifically, we're doing a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of delivering an experience to people. And on Priv, they definitely kind of pulled back because it was so influenced by Google where they had to let Google breathe on the phone to really have it be what it needs to be, which is, you know, a consumer success, a commercial success. And and really right now it seems still very kind of arbitrary to, to criticize it so heavily. And I really think this is a device that's going to take time before we really know what kind of effect it has on BlackBerry long term. Because right now it, it is what it is. We have no numbers. You know, if you want to look at the app numbers on downloads, it's between 10,000 and 50,000 but that doesn't mean anything, you know? Yeah, those numbers are not accurate toward anything, you know, especially when half these devices are preloaded with all of those apps, you know? And clearly people are not going into Google Play Store and updating these things very frequently either, so it, it's, it's hard to... weird. I don't to get be, that. To be so critical right now I think is a little bit arbitrary for sure. I want to talk a little bit about BlackBerry's defense of their Android security. Now, this is pretty interesting because we saw multiple kind of competitors in the Android space... Mm -hmm kind of bounce around this issue of, you know, BlackBerry's got an archaic way of looking at security. They're, this is old hat types of methodology. This is 2007 calling in terms of security. And, you know, that this was both the Copperhead CEO and as well we saw some of BlackPhone kind of coming back and talking about Priv specifically. And do you guys think they're talking because they're haters in terms of, like, you know, this is a direct competitor to what we're doing and they've got a bigger name in security than we do, so... You know, we got to say something about it. Or do you honestly think that there's a genuine gripe in the security implementation that BlackBerry's uh, sought out here on Priv? Well, I think there's there's probably a good balance in between both because BlackBerry hasn't uh, hasn't really fully been open as to, and reasonably so, I guess. I mean, they haven't really been open towards how many changes that they've actually made at the core level of Android. Like, they're not going out of their way to, to specifically state everything that they've done to the OS to be able to go ahead and secure it. But at the same time, like I, I can understand that. And you know, at, at the same time, there, there are people out there who are, are genuinely going to be concerned over whether or not BlackBerry, you know, has has uh, the chops 
uh, in the security world to be able to go ahead and do these things, and maybe those people really do look at BlackBerry as as a little bit of a threat to, you know, putting food on their table. Like, I don't, you know, as much as people like to say that BlackBerry has, you know, fallen from grace and everything like that, the name still does mean something when they say that they've, they've implemented security measures and, you know, let's let's use the example of Copperhead and and um, uh, Blackphone there. Like, yeah, I mean, there's there's probably a lingering threat that BlackBerry is basically going to hit a home run with this one, um, or even future devices that carry on from the perv to be able to go ahead and take food off their tables. Like, you know, they they've been making their business thus far by saying that they've secured Android, but you know, BlackBerry still has that security credibility, and now that they're they've jumped into the space, everybody's going to be looking at whether or not you know those organizations even really matter anymore. Like, do they yeah. matter? Especially you know, BlackBerry is still huge. Yeah, with scope and size, it is hard to kind of contest with with what BlackBerry is. And as you put it, that name still does mean quite a bit to people, especially in the you know the IT field. So moving to Android is such a big thing for them. Alex, do you think that some of, you know, and BlackBerry did a very classy job of defending themselves. Clattermarker's, uh, you know, article, whether he wrote it or, or not, which is very, very specific to the, the implementations that they've done. And they didn't, you know, go break everything down, you know, line by line per the code, but they did go ahead and actually explain, you know, these are the various things we've gone ahead to do that make our Android experience the best for security and privacy. Alex, for you, do you feel like this is a defense that was really needed? Was this information, I mean, it's like who is this information going to, right? Is it going to the critics or is it going to the, the fans? Because the fans ultimately don't really care about these small, small things on the back end that, of the experience. I'm I'm so torn about just all of that in general because I've gotten into arguments on our board slash Android on, you know, Reddit where I'm like, you know, the priv is secure, and, and then people are like, you know, here, check out this conversation that a security expert had with, you know, BlackBerry, whatever, and they're like, it's really no more secure than other Android devices, and, you know, it's actually less secure than Marshmallow devices because Marshmallow brings a lot of security updates and things, and, like, they're essentially saying that if you're serious about security right now, then get a 6P over the priv because Marshmallow simply is more secure than the priv is. And it's just, there's all these arguments going on, and at the end of the day, I guess, I, I don't know, I'm just overwhelmed by it all, because, like, I try and defend BlackBerry, and then it's like, well, they say that they could send out a, an immediate patch if there's something, you know, within 24 to 48 hours, if there's a major thing, and I know not all devices can do that. So it does have some perks, but that doesn't necessarily make it more secure, that just means that it it's able to fix itself when it does, you know, get hacked or whatever ends up happening. I'm, I'm just so torn on the whole argument, and I've heard both sides, and I don't know who to agree with, and I, again, I don't know who that article was even meant for. Yeah, like, I I don't know. I'm just so... Yeah. I don't know about it. It's an exhausting argument, because, yeah. you know, it's... it's a, it's when you when you look at the grand scope of it all, it's the exact same argument that BlackBerry has been dealing with for years upon years, you know? Are the BlackBerry devices really secure than anything else on the market? And, you know... It, I think Kleidermacher basically said it. It comes down to who you trust. Uh, right. Yeah. Big size. <laughs> that was that was pretty much pretty much the whole basis of of it for me. Like at the end of it, I don't really care because of the fact that you know it's not not one of my top things. Like I believe 
you know, for the most part, that BlackBerry does have a more secure operating system than some of the others that are out there, and I believe that they put, you know, some more thought into it. So that's what it comes down to. It comes down to my thoughts and how I feel about it all. And if somebody else wants to go ahead and disagree with that, then that's perfectly fine as well. I mean, you can go buy whatever device you think is more secure, and we'll see what, how, how it balances out. It doesn't, you know, it really doesn't matter. Um, everybody's going to believe what they want to believe, and, you know, everybody has a story to tell. Like, these are all stories that the companies are telling us. Like, Copperhead is telling us that their OS is more secure, or Blackberries, or, you know, Blackbone is telling us that their OS is more secure. You know, it comes down to it comes down to personal preference. Who do you believe? Who do you trust? You know, and there's and there's multiple ways to skin a cat, right? Security is not this 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 finish line that you cross. You know, okay, here we are. It's more of this. There's multiple ways to secure, but how secure? You know, do you, do you trust as Blaze has mentioned the expertise of an unheard of, or do you trust the name that's been in this space for you know over a decade securing mobile devices? And ultimately, I think that's really where Kleidermacher's argument rested. I want to just jump to another kind of conversation here. As we talked about security, uh, what do you guys think about the VentureBeat article from Evan Blass, who basically was the guy leaking all the, the priv stuff for us here in, in terms of like you know some of the HQ renders that we first initially saw? The the article's headline is entitled "Android is only a band-aid for what ails BlackBerry," and I thought it was a really insightful piece, and it it upset me to a degree because a lot of it was like too true, too much truth, too early, you know, like I just didn't want to hear it, and you know, and I thought that was good because basically the article sums up and puts BlackBerry as a brand, as a fan favorite, in this kind of place where Nokia and Palm are, and that. You know, it's this, it's still beloved by many, but ultimately dead, you know, dead on the inside, dead on the outside. And and it talks a little bit further about some of how BlackBerry's had to kind of turn away from its core base to look at the bigger picture and look at the broader audience and that, that may or may not end out well for them. Um, Alex, if, if, did you happen to read that article yourself? No, I did not, actually. I just shared it in our group chat, if you want to just kind of skim through. But, Blaze, I know you read it, and I wanted to hear some of your extended thoughts on it because, again, it's one of those things that, you know, a BlackBerry 10 fan is going to love this article, whereas a realist is actually going to kind of cry on the inside about this article (laughs) because it brings up a lot of points and it hits so many areas that are kind of, like, real close to the bell in terms of what's going on right now. Yeah, I mean, like you, I was like, oh, my God, this article. And I read it, and I'm like... This is a really good article. Like, it, no two ways about it. It was absolutely a good article. Um, you know, it, it the thing the thing when I had to do is basically go ahead and sort of like remove my emotions from it. I guess you could say because I wanted to read it in in a perspective from you know how how other people are looking at it. And you know, I, I probably I probably got some nasty comments when I actually said it was a good article. I don't know. I don't read the nasty comments anymore these days. I get far too many of them, but... Auto-filter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sitting down and reading the article, like like you said, it was, it, was, it was all too true, and, you know, there was not a whole lot there that you could actually disagree with. I mean, I thought, I thought it was a really good piece, and it was, it was written from somebody who is on the outside looking in, and, you know, you can't really blame anybody for that. Like, it... No matter how you look at it, Black Android doesn't solve every one of BlackBerry's problems. They still have a lot of internal problems to be able to go ahead and solve. Android just helps that situation. Would I call it a band-aid? No, I, I would probably 
I probably wouldn't use that reference. I would probably, you know, use... It's it's bigger than a Band-Aid at this point, I yeah, think, you know? It's some glue that's helping stick some broken pieces back together, I guess. Um, you know, a yeah. Band-Aid may be a little bit, you know, harsh. Um, but, yeah, I mean, overall, I like the article, and to to speak about how, how the device, and, and not, not necessarily the article affects the community, but... Um, you know, some of the stuff that Evan said in there about how BlackBerry 10 users are, are sort of torn over it and new users and new Android users are actually, like, enjoying the device, you know, it's true. Because even now, like, when we put up Priv posts on CrackBerry, like, some people are downright hateful towards the Priv. Like, they don't, they don't understand why BlackBerry had to go this route to be able to go ahead and introduce it. Like, there's some BlackBerry 10 owners out there who just want absolutely nothing to do with the priv. Like, they question even why we're writing about Android apps on CrackBerry. Like, obviously we're yeah. going to write about Android apps because that's the ecosystem now. You know, whether you agree with it or not, like, you know, that's that's what we have to work with nowadays, and that's the, the route that, that BlackBerry took. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think BlackBerry, at its core level, is about productivity and security. So, I mean, sure, writing about apps just focus apps towards like productive apps and that's something that really no other Android place is putting a sole purpose behind. I think just productivity and getting things done regardless of the platform that is what BlackBerry stands for at least to me and yes things are gonna change but that's still going to be what they stand for. They're making updates to Android for productivity like that's just that's who they are. Yeah it's it's like I didn't understand well we put up a post about Google's you know, cyber sale that they had going on, and everybody rioted in the damn comments about yeah. why are you writing about this? Why isn't this on Android Central? This should have been left on Android Central. Well, like, I wouldn't have seen it. Yeah, it's not like you know everybody loves deals. Everybody's gonna buy stuff, so yeah. check out these apps, buy this music, check out these movies that you now have access to. Like, this is why you bought a crib in the first place. Don't you know? Nobody can be angry at that. Like, but some yeah. Black Weekend users are just downright don't like the device and you know back to Evan's article that you know what he spoke about in that article is what is actually happening within the community as well there are people that are are essentially torn over this device like they don't know whether to love it they don't know whether to hate it or what like the weird it's a weird dynamic and a weird place for for Blackberry right now so you know we're just gonna have to see how it all pans out for the long run whether or not it's a Band-Aid or if it's the, you know, the, the start of... Um, yeah, something new. Ultimately, you know, Evan's article talks about it. He talks about like a dual OS strategy or dual platform strategy going forward. And I hope that's the case. I hope that they do keep BlackBerry 10 on its own kind of... I, I want to say autopilot, right? Just kind of going, yeah. right? Where I don't see necessarily a ton of development going, but I do want to see at least like more devices with BlackBerry 10. But I think they need to do it in a smart way. I think now that they have the dual platform strategy, they need to put that choice in the hand of the user mm-hmm. where they build some software or they build hardware that can support both types of software. Yeah. So for instance, you know, they've got a platform for BlackBerry 10 that they've developed, but they've also got that platform to work well on Android. And then they can put that in the, the hands of the user and let them decide. Because mixed reactions are going to be had, especially on a device that's a BlackBerry, right? That's that's It's going to happen. In my Priv review, I make mention to kind of a similar anecdote to what Evan talks about, 
And I say that, you know, BlackBerry has done a dramatic shift to software and services. And in doing so, they've put a they've basically done a blood transfusion of BlackBerry 10 to the Android platform. And, you know, we talk about John Chen being this kind of doctor and BlackBerry being this patient. And obviously their their ecosystem and actual platform being this this type of thing that actually needs healing, it needs help, it's suffering, you know, it's it needs some some added assistance. And literally it's taken now them to kind of do this blood transfusion of what we loved about BlackBerry 10 and put it on Android to kind of keep the beast alive. And that's that BlackBerry beast, right? Which goes down to what Black, what uh, Alex was talking about, which is ultimately security and productivity. So I, I guess my point here is do you guys feel like the users should feel a little bit abandoned? Should should we feel at this point where BlackBerry is putting BlackBerry 10 aside to move on to Android? Or do you think that there is kind of this place in the future where both OSs have a place and that place continues to grow? Or do you feel like BlackBerry 10 has had its place and necessarily doesn't see a lot of growth potential into the future? I mean, even outside of apps, there's still a lot yeah. BlackBerry could do to keep BlackBerry 10, you know, I don't want to say innovative, but at least plumbing ahead. You know, I, I honestly like Chen's most recent kind of quote kind of about just everything in general. We'll let the market tell us, you know, what we should do. And I'm actually personally experiencing this with my own company. I'm trying to figure out what path we're going to take. My clients are saying, you know, they need more IT support and things. So now we're kind of turning into an IT support company too. And it's mm -hmm. like, just let the market tell you where you belong. So yes, I mean, if Android sells extremely well, obviously there's so many people who have been wanting a BlackBerry running Android for a while now. I get it, not the, the hardcore BlackBerry community, they haven't. But the Android community and, and people who used to use legacy BlackBerry, they've wanted this for so long, so finally they have it. Well, if the sales numbers show that it makes more sense, then yeah, just let the market tell you where you should be and focus on that. doesn't mean totally abandon BlackBerry 10 necessarily. You might still need you know, the President of the United States to be on a BlackBerry 10 device or whatever device. And so again, you could always have separate sectors, but I think the main amount, you know, most of your time should probably go towards Android or whatever, whatever the market is telling you to do. That's where most of your time should go towards. And See, it's a, it's such a, a reactive response, and and I don't want to say you're wrong because I do agree you need to listen, and that's something that's you know with our losing the signal podcast we had Sean on, and he talked a lot about how not reacting was such a fatal breakdown in Blackberries, you know, ongoing through the years of 27 to 2010, and really the breakdown there. It's just that's don't that's not how you blaze a trail, in my opinion. I think if you really want to be in a space and change the space, not just spur around the air in the space already. If you actually want to change, fundamentally change the market, you have to tell people what they want. And that's something that Steve Jobs with Apple, they did that tremendously, right? He went out and actually told the market, here's what you want. Despite what you think, here's what you want. And I and I had this hope in, in Berlin kind of feeling that Priv was kind of that device that BlackBerry put it out and said, you know, have it your way, but this is really what you want. You want a device that can compromise as little as possible on the, the largest amount of things. So, Blaze, I want to take hear your take on this because Alex and I are kind of at odds. Do you really think it's something that you know I want to listen to the market and and follow what they tell me? Because ultimately, the market's already been telling them for years. I don't want this. I don't want you. But BlackBerry, I feel, needs to be at a point where they can put a device in the market like the Priv and say, yes, you want this, and here is why. And that communication breakdown has kind of been evident throughout you know multiple devices. You know. 
we mentioned a little bit ago, what do we miss about BlackBerry 10? I find myself missing less and less about BlackBerry 10 and more just missing BlackBerry 10 hardware. For some reason, I just miss the passport screen. I miss the large keys as opposed to the small ones that I have on the priv. You know, there's weird, weird things that I'm still stuck on. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I think about it, I think BlackBerry. I kind of, I kind of agree with Alex, but I can also see your viewpoint as well because, like you said, that's that telling people what they wanted versus you know letting them tell you what they wanted was always something that Apple excelled at. And I think BlackBerry, if they if they did it properly, they would be able to go ahead and and somewhat somewhat succeed at that mission too. But at the same time, I think I think. You know, I, I've said it many times that their messaging has always been a little bit unclear. And you know, who is this device for? Is it an enterprise consumer? Who are they going after? That messaging has always been a little bit muddled up for BlackBerry. And I think, I think, at this particular point, it's very important for them to go ahead and listen to the market and let the market tell them what they want. Out of a device because if they, you know, if they just forge ahead on their own and you know do whatever it is that they think that people want, they may not necessarily be as successful. Um, you know, let's say for example they they totally give up on Android and they're like, no, nah, screw it. You know, we messed up. We're just going back to BlackBerry 10 and that's what we're going to push. You know, that that would be not not exactly the ideal situation for them. Um, same thing if they go if they go directly with Android, but they need to be able to go ahead and listen to the market and see what the market wants. If the market is essentially receptive to the Android devices and they're, you know, they're they're seeing more adoption of Priv than any of the BlackBerry 10 devices, then why would you go back to BlackBerry 10? Like it just it doesn't make sense at that point in time. Um, but at the same time, again. If they're listening to the market and the market is, you know, giving them pushback on the priv and they say they don't want it, you know, then, you know, maybe maybe it's time that they actually go ahead and look at what they can do to basically go ahead and focus on BlackBerry 10. However, I, you know, I don't I don't think that's what the market is going to come back and say. I think that the market is going to come back and say that they want Android devices. They just want better Android devices from BlackBerry from here on out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Different form factors, better hardware so on and so forth, because at the end of the day, as good as what Priv is, I don't think it is the best hardware in the Android space that BlackBerry could have offered. I think there were some compromises made, and BlackBerry has the potential, if they are willing to, and the market demands of them, to be able to go ahead and build an even better BlackBerry Android device. I don't think that the Priv is the best that BlackBerry could have produced for a BlackBerry Android device. They could do better. Um, yeah. It was kind of like... Leave it. They got to leave it feeling for themselves too, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was kind of like... I, I look at the Priv as like them dipping their toes into the water to see how cold it is and how hot it may be. You know, and it's then, hot. Trust me, it's hot. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, if it turns out, it, if the market comes back and says, "Yeah, we want more Android BlackBerry devices," then that's when they'll go all in and they'll give us something that they they truly, you know, really do get behind in terms of hardware and so on and so forth. And you know, that that's something something that is, you know, that 
I would like to see that. I'd like to see them go all in on Android and see what they come up with. But at the same time, like, you know, I, I, I have a lot of respect for what BlackBerry 10 is. Like, there's no, in my mind, there's no doubt about it. Like, BlackBerry 10 is still a fantastic operating system. It's one of the best operating systems out there on the market. It's just that people don't want it. There's, you know, yep. like, no matter what you do, I don't, I don't know what they could have done with BlackBerry 10 to make it better other than the app situation. Like, it's an amazing operating system, but there's no apps. There's, and once there's no apps, there's no adoption. People just don't want it, right? Um, I, I just don't see them going back on BlackBerry 10. I, yeah, I, I Twitter, and, Twitter and Facebook were built by BlackBerry on, on the phone. Yeah, like, like, Facebook was a joke of an app. And, you know, when you're talking about the biggest, like, how important social networks are in today's day and age, and not having them or a good solution, yes, there's, like, Black as an alternative to Twitter, but, like, you don't really have an alternative to Facebook. And it's just, it, it's, people rely on apps whether or not they believe that they do. Yeah. But like I, like I said, they, I believe right now at this point, they need to listen to what the market says. If the market says that they... They don't want Android devices, then they'll have to figure something out to to go ahead and rework rework BlackBerry 10 in order to make it work for them. But if the market says that they want Android devices, then they really need to go all in on Android. They can't. I don't. I don't think that they can individually BlackBerry themselves go ahead and choose which way the market is going to go. Like they can't force something uh, that people don't necessarily want onto people. And have to be successful. Like there has to be a want and a desire for their product there in the first place in order for it to be successful. So, I think that's the best kind of median between Alex and I sides of the equation, right? Yeah. Like, I think I think you did a really good job because I, I I finally can side with Alex on that one. Where, you know, this is kind of the device they needed at this point because there's just so little else to go off of. And you know, we talk about Priv and you know how it may not be the best hardware BlackBerry could have put forward for this or that reason, that there obviously compromises had to be made on it, yet I just saw earlier, and you guys probably saw it too, the actual teardown of the Priv, I was just shocked. And I don't want to say shocked for like a ooh-ah, but like I was just amazed at the hardware internals and how it was built and the mechanisms and all the stuff that was put into it and how it was all put together. It was awesome to see that, you know, BlackBerry still has quite a bit of engineering talent. I don't know how many other people could have pulled off a device in such a similar way. I mean, Viperi definitely f kind of flexed their their uh, some of their heritage with this device, and it shows, right? They, they show a cognizance of, the, of what's needed now, but also kind of that throwback. You know, we can still make mechanisms and, and awesome spring technology, and really cool to see, again, that breakdown and how everything kind of came together in such a tight package. Do you guys happen to take a look at that video? I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> It's a it's a it's a long video. It's probably about like uh, seven or yeah, seven minutes, eight minutes. Really, just interesting, you know. Like they they have to build these devices to be repairable as well, and this is not yeah. a this is not an easy device to take apart. I mean, the person who does this has clearly done it before and still has like some some pauses and is like, you know, whew, you can see I can just see the guy sweating as he's going through this on some of the parts, especially like this top lip right here. Just takes a while. He's got to put a couple different tools in there to try to go through it. Speed it up a little bit for us, Alice. Let's just jump through a little bit further. So you'll see he takes it out basically pries off the back piece first. 
as he's doing this fix. And you'll see that massive battery there, BlackBerry branded. BlackBerry actually was touting in some markets they're actually building their own batteries for these devices in their own factories, which is kind of cool. But you'll, yeah, and it's for regulatory reasons as well, which is kind of interesting. Like I India specifically, like they want because of import reasons, they want everything to be built like you know in region, so that again it can it can contribute to the local economy, which is just kind of an interesting. But you see the motherboard there wrapping totally around the device, got that massive battery. For some reason, the the person taking this apart leaves the battery in for a good majority. But basically, this is all still one device at this point. Like he's taken off multiple parts, but this is still all one mechanism, which is kind of crazy. The motherboard, everything's been removed already, and it's still all kind of one device. This is kind of where you'll see that mechanism. Um, he's going to take off some screws there, and you'll see that ribbon allows the slide from, from the screen to the back plate. Right now, he's taking off the back of the priv, this little top part here. And what is he doing taking, with that? He's taking a hot, uh, a hot gun to melt the uh -huh. glue that's been used to seal the screen down, again, to probably prevent from screen lifting. <laughs> passport. And um, <laughs> you'll see as he goes around here, again, this is all still one piece. Those backside, he'll do the unscrewing and actually remove. There you go. Now you've got it. And again, multiple ribbons, multiple layers to kind of connect everything together. And you'll see the spring mechanism here as well is its own additive. So basically there's the screen panel and the back panel. And pause it right there, Alex, or actually let it, let it run a little bit. Yeah, that's perfect. You'll see on the left-hand side you have the back plate, and basically right below the back plate where the camera and the BlackBerry logo is, there's this metal piece. And Alex, I don't know if you can highlight it with your cursor. Yeah, that right there. That is the smart slide technology. That is the spring mechanism, and that is the bolt-on attachment that actually moves the two pieces. So again, how they fit all of this into such like a, a slim form factor is pretty remarkable. And, again, and you know, to have a movable part like a screen, then that's where like you need a ribbon cable that's flexible, and it that starts to get really complicated. From you know, absolutely. And and if you take a look at, there's a piece right next to the keyboard to the left. It's this odd kind of piece that yeah to the right a little bit Alex yeah right there that piece right there is actually this kind of crazy chip that goes around a corner to make a connection so it's actually like a oh. corner piece that goes around the top over to the back so it's like a like a, a right angle like a 90 degree angle okay. piece super weird again they did some really nice engineering here to make this device kind of come together so yes it has its compromises right they're small overall I'd think considering what they've accomplished here. And again, we've talked about the smart slide technology and how it is a really, really nice, smooth kind of transition. It's not uh, punchy or anything as you slide up. It's actually very, very smooth. But again, a lot of engineering prowess went into this. And I think, again, this is BlackBerry saying, we're going to build something. We're going to tell you what you want. You want a slider, and here's why, because we can pull it off XYZ ways. So just some really cool stuff from that breakdown. If anyone wants to tear apart their priv and, uh, you know, do a custom modification, there you go. There's a, there's a little video to try to walk you through it. Is it suggested? Probably not. Let's, let's not start mutilating our privs. <laughs> <laughs> but, Blaze, was the video impressive to you? I mean, what did you glean? It looked like it was kind of hard to repair for, like, some of the small stuff. Yeah, it looked like that display was a little bit harder to, to pull off. I mean, I would ideally, I would like to see an iFix and tear down of it to be able to yes. go ahead and find out what parts did they use and where they sourced them from and stuff. But, you know, overall, I mean, it, it was a general teardown video, and it's pretty impressive how they pack so much stuff inside the device. I mean, if you really think back, um, 
you know, the the early pictures of the device, how many people were like, oh my god, it's so thick, it's terrible, I'm not buying this crap, when really the device is absolutely amazing, it's a feat of engineering when it comes down to it, Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the video itself, I mean, most people aren't going to look at the video in that, that broad of a scope, but yeah. It was it was pretty good, and I jokingly when I I posted it up on Cracker, I was like, yeah, this video was done by Carolux, who's basically only tearing it apart so that they can, you know, dip the pieces in gold. And literally right after I I posted that post up, I refreshed the the Carolux page, and they had posted the 24 karat gold plated um, priv now available in Vietnam. So I mean, you guys can hit up Crackberry and check out that post. But basically, that's why they why they tore it apart was so that they could go ahead and dip the gold pieces. <laughs> it is kind of nice. I mean, I hate gaudy gold devices like yeah, like yeah. everyone else does, right? We all hate them, but at the same point, like, that's kind of hot. Like, that white gold passport in the background, I'm drooling hard. <laughs> and it's just, you know, like, okay, you know, Blackbird could do these accents on their own, right? Go red, go blue, do whatever. But it looks pretty clean. It really, really does. And, you know, I think it's a little gaudy, as I said, but at the end of the day, if someone wants to buy that, that is a hot-looking device. Yeah. As opposed to something like an iPhone, right, that already comes in, like, gold and, you know, it just has a little bit of this more premium look and feel to it because it's a BlackBerry. And I've seen these things actually holding their, their value quite a bit. So, again, if you're looking for an investment piece, the P9982 still sells for, like, a 1000 bucks, right? Like that's It's never an investment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's more of an investment piece than anything else, right? We could go for a device like that. So it is cool again that that black that black and gold version is available. Blaze probably has one coming to add to his collection. Yeah, I wish at fifteen hundred US dollars. I think I'll pass on that one. It does look nice. <laughs> He's like, okay, let me let me uh, sell some assets here and I'll go pick one up. <laughs> no, we got Christmas shopping to do, right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> so, last thing I want to close with here is a little bit of conversation about BlackBerry marketing. So, we've seen some buses, we've seen some billboards, and they're probably all in New York if they do really exist. And and honestly, I guess my question and, and point to you guys is, does it is it important to market a device like the Priv, like like market in in this in the way they're doing it at least? From what we're seeing, like I think it'd probably be more valuable for do like a television ad, especially because it's a new platform, new ecosystem, all that. What kind of marketing do you think is actually really going to be effective here? Not what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Some like they're doing it online pretty hard. I mean, those ads show up everywhere. I posted on the channel somewhere. They had the AT&T branding, you know, in there as well. So you know, online they're doing it, and online is obviously probably one of their best ways of doing it these days. But, like, do you guys think a television ad is needed? Like, the money f to do a TV ad? Like, I know we have the Super Bowl coming, you know. Is that maybe a time to, to push Priv, you know, where it's out on all the carriers, it's running Marshmallow? Like, I mean, it, it, do you guys, again, do you guys see, like, one, marketing is needed, period, point blank. But is it, do you find a point in the future where it's going to be valuable, or is it just, like, too late? Are we comfortable enough with their current marketing team that they're using to do a Super Bowl commercial? Like, I mean, we didn't like last year, or last year, 2013 year. I don't really know what this team could come up with. Um, I, I feel like they are, they're walking down the right path, yeah. but like we haven't seen it all come together yet, right? Like we haven't seen a, an actual campaign. Yeah. I think, I think that like 
they don't need to do like a, um, you know, they don't need to blow off the doors and do like a Super Bowl commercial or anything like that because uh, that Super Bowl commercials are hella expensive and you know the the return on them is somewhat debatable. Um, however, I do think that they need to go ahead and and do up some TV commercials, TV ads, and I don't believe that the TV commercials, you know, if they manage to go ahead and put one out, I don't think that they should go with any of the, the marketing that they're using now, like, you know, those black and white images and the creepy robot lady and whatever. I don't think they should do any of that. I think they need to essentially go ahead and focus on the device and they actually need to go ahead and push the, the Android side of it all because, you know, uh, yeah. what's the point of having an Android device if you're not going to go ahead and use that to your benefit to be able to go ahead and say, look, this isn't the exact same BlackBerry. This is a whole new Android device. I want, like, I don't know, let's say, like, a 15, 20-second BlackBerry Priv in-your-face showing off Android features and basically, a, you know, the, the whole summation of it all is basically BlackBerry now runs Android. That's what I want. Yeah. That, that's all I want. Like, somebody go ahead and put that together. It really cannot be that difficult to be able to go ahead and say that BlackBerry now runs Android to show off a bunch of cool shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I feel like it, I feel like BlackBerry's kind of done that ad too, right? It's just like put it yeah. where people can see it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's so funny too because once your brand like once people are aware of it, you don't need to do this anymore. Like say when BlackBerry was at their peak, they didn't necessarily need to be showing off the features. Then you can do like what Apple is doing. I don't know if you guys have seen the iPad Pro commercial, but it's just like a space, and it it just shows like space. And it, it plays this music that's like captivating, and I don't. I've seen that ad so many times, and I don't mind it. But and at the end, it just shows the new iPad Pro, whatever. But like, when you get to that point, you can just start being creative with commercials that don't necessarily need to show off, you know, all the features of your phone in a very quick second. But when you're at the level that BlackBerry's at right now, that's what they need to do. They need people need to understand why they should buy your phone over the competitors. It's not just, you know, getting your brand out there right now. You need to be at a, a large scale to just be able to do that. You just meme the devices, you know. <laughs> the, pr the priv, like, sliding out of the grave, like, that'd be hilarious, you know. <laughs> that rising from the ashes, like a true phoenix. And I just posted a, a short little 31-second video that they did taking the longer review of Priv Key Features video and bringing it all into like a small animation. Just put it on TV. Like you got these assets. Use them correctly. 2.5 million views on YouTube is not enough. You know? It's it's yeah. simply not enough. And yeah, you know, you're going to take you through the fact that this obviously runs Android. It has the slide-up keyboard. I mean, that's the basic kind of stuff we need. You know, show me that it has a hub. Show me that it has the touch-enabled physical keyboard. Like all of those things were so valuable. The massive battery, all that. Honestly, I'm really looking. Totally skip the whole privacy and security aspect of yeah. that commercial. If they did that commercial, that like that feature review and made that a badass commercial, it would be great. But I guess the, the whole term "privacy on" wouldn't really make sense without saying something about security, which is the weird thing. But okay. like this, a lot I of mean, stuff about BlackBerry doesn't make sense. People just shrug their shoulders and they're like, "Eh, it's BlackBerry." Yeah. <laughs> As for like. You know, this is a video that BlackBerry put out, and it has 2.6 million views. That's like getting up there with some of their top, you know, viewed videos of all time, and that's kind of interesting to uh, see it. Obviously, they did something right with that that little 30-second, you know, commercial. 
right now. So. Do something writer with it and put it on television, right? Like, <laughs> how many how many views did that get of, uh, compared to like the creepy lady? <laughs> oh boy. You know, Creepy Lady got 1.7 million. Did it? I, but I think it was because it was a creepy... It was just so weird. People had to see it. <laughs> this is an anti-NSA ad. God, I love reading the comments sometimes. It's just so so much going on in there. And again, you know, the rest is called Criv. Like, you've got to explain that a little bit, you know? You can't just, like... No, hey, man. It's an Android. It runs a keyboard. No, man. It runs the Criv for no reason whatsoever, right? Just blast out a bunch of Android imagery and show the keyboard and... There you go. Make it a commercial. <laughs> Call, it a Call it a day. So I think we had a great podcast here, guys. We talked a lot about a lot of tough questions, right? And a lot of things that, you know, there are no definitive real answers to. But it's an interesting point to talk about because Priv is really going to set a new course for BlackBerry as they head out and really decide whether they want to continue in the hardware space and really what people expect from them in the hardware space, right? As, as, again, the people who are watching this podcast right now, especially, like, we're the diehard fans. We're the, we're the hardcore. And BlackBerry is really saying, you know, you guys are great, but we need to look beyond that to the other legions of people out there who are on these experiences that aren't secure, for one, that are getting abused in terms of their security and privacy, and as well are missing out on some of those core additives that we value, you know, those things like privacy, productivity, and really just a phenomenal hardware. And I don't want to say that Priv is not phenomenal hardware, you know. They clearly had to cut some corners to make this device come out as thin as it did, as slim feeling as it did. And I think that's probably one of the biggest gripes you can put on the device. But even still, I think there's quite a bit here to appreciate about Priv. I will wonder if the price will drop. Because what we're seeing is like, Pretty f steadfast at six ninety nine. Do you guys see a, a price drop coming anywhere within six months on this device? Like I, I don't see it. Maybe a fifty dollar decrease on special six occasions. Is a long time though. Like let's be real, six months is that's a big time frame. But Passport's been out for over a year, and that thing's still clocking at like. But, if, but it's uh, that's like one argument I have. That is also like the last BlackBerry ten device they have right now. So if they start releasing a bunch of Android devices then the less, like, I guess, va valuable the Priv kind of stands. I, I, w I wouldn't be surprised to see the Priv drop a little bit in price and the Passport still stay there, because, again, it's the last... There are people contemplating, should I get the Priv or should I get the Passport? And the Passport is going to be, at least for the time future that we're seeing, the last BlackBerry 10 device that's great and has solid specs and everything, so... It's tough to know exactly. And Blaze, what do you think? You think that Priv will see a price drop, uh, you know, in the future? I know a lot of people are like holding out for Black Friday, holding out for Christmas. They're gonna hold out till Q1. They're gonna hold out till Q4. <laughs> and this device is probably still gonna be priced around the same as it is. Do you see any kind of? Because uh... again, there's a lot of people out there who are, you know, do I wait for my carrier? Do I go shop BlackBerry? Do I do PayPal? To you know, budgeting out as credit. You know, what are people to do? Should they expect a price drop? I'm mad. I don't think anybody should expect a price drop, you know, within like, say, the next two months or anything like that. But ultimately, we all know that as soon as carriers start offering the devices, that's when the the prices start diminishing. So, you know, maybe maybe from carriers you may get a little bit of a discount, but uh, from Shop Blackberry, I don't think they're going to reduce the pricing on it too much. I and mean, if you want a want a cost effective device and 
you know, BlackBerry has pretty much basically said, you know, buy a BlackBerry 10 device as evidenced by putting putting the the passports and the classics and stuff on sale for for Black Friday, but no price reduction on the priv, right? Um, you know, maybe you're, if if there is a price reduction coming, it's going to come by way of carriers, and I think it's a little bit too soon to expect that as of yet. I mean, don't don't hold your breath waiting for that. Maybe maybe once AT and T is no longer the exclusive, maybe you'll see some discounts then. But you know, they they have the they have the whole slew of, of carriers to actually go through um, because at this point we're, we're expecting it to actually show up on, on T-Mobile at some point, right? So T-Mobile is going to go with it. Verizon has already confirmed that they're going to go with it at some point in time. So once, once AT&T loses the exclusivity, maybe then you'll see some price drops because of the fact that the carriers are, are you know, in a little bit of a bidding war at that point, but... I think Shop Blackberry is going to remain pretty steady in their pricing anyway. We are the front lines. We're going to keep these prices where they're at. <laughs> so, Blaze, last week, Crackberry was awesome enough to do a little contest for the Losing the Signal. I heard you guys had a couple copies. Do we have any names to announce for those contest winners? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gathered up uh, one, two, three, four, five... Yeah, we had five copies to go ahead and give away, so I gathered up five uh, winners, and you're obviously going to have to forgive me if I mispronounce your names, because some of y'all got some weird spelling. Okay? Right, I was about to say, like, what are some of these names like? <laughs> Gay Dallas, oh gosh. Yeah. I hope you pronounce Alex Bass. Yeah. <laughs> you're on your own, you're not a He's winner. not on that list, uh, Alex. <laughs> In any case, if I do uh, do mispronounce your name, we will of course have them listed on the uh, on the Crackberry site. So uh, make sure that your email addresses are updated on the Crackberry uh, forms and such, so that we can actually reach out to you and get your shipping information from you. Uh, but for now, we have one winner, five winners in total: um, Axel Beer, uh, Vermilion Viper. Um, E diggity, tidy hedge. <laughs> this sounds entirely terrible, but whatever. Tidy hedge and Daedalus Icarus Helios. Yeah, that one. You won. You guys all won. So, like I said, <laughs> make sure your contact info is updated. Uh, somebody will reach out to you, get your shipping address, and uh, congrats on on winning the books, guys. I, why do we never win anything, Alex? I know, right? I, I posted on there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I, I did, too. So yeah. Something like that. So we have a couple of Patreon questions here. Not too many. They, they realize it was a down week, so good for them. Good for those guys not pummeling us with too many things to talk about. I'm going to have to pull it up here on my, um, on my priv. For some reason, the desktop manager just doesn't want to work right now. Which is just amusing because it's neglected like a lot of other things. <laughs> oh, BBM is such a, a lovely application. Blaze and I were talking the other day about like, you know, really Blaze isn't on BBM as much as he used to be, you know, because he's got so many other apps now he can talk with. Hang on. <laughs> and I'm here, you know, looking at BBM and it's like, dang, BBM is so awesome, but there's no one to talk to. It's like the anti-social network now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just <laughs> terrible. <laughs> so we have a couple of these questions here. One, 
was in regard specifically of, I got this one in an email, talking a little bit about the viability of other Android devices. Do you guys see BlackBerry having a capability to really come out and flood the market with Android devices? Like, are, should they try to play at Samsung's game and put out multiple hardware factors? Or is it something that we should be doing on just a couple of devices, like one or two a year? Do you guys think like there's really a space for them to do more devices, like three or four? And, and if so, like, well, what kind of devices would those be? One of my big questions has been, like, what do you do after Priv, right? What do you do when you set the bar at Priv? Priv do you two. go from there? Do you go back a little bit? Do you go forward? I mean... It's, I, I, I think they're going to do a couple devices a year. I don't think they're going to go crazy with devices. Um, but I do, I genuinely think, it's, it's maybe Tor and I am about it, but maybe not. I don't really think they're going to be releasing a, like an all-touch device. They're probably, at least, like maybe if they somehow become the next Nexus device or something or other. Um, but I think they are trying to be the solution for physical QWERTY keyboards. So they're probably going to be making devices that have a physical QWERTY keyboard, whether that's a slider device or that's just the uh, the other one that was just leaked that was actually had the physical keyboard there at all points in time. But I don't know. I don't think they're gonna go and do like five devices a year or even three or four. I think it's gonna be more of like a couple. I pretty much two devices per year. I, much like Alex, I don't expect any full-touch devices, um, mainly because of what Alex said. You know, they want that they want that keyboard market, and, you know, that's one of the things that they actually bring to the Android space is the physical keyboard. So I don't see them backing away from that at any point in time soon. But, you know, maybe, maybe if they do listen to the market <laughs> and the market says that they want uh, a full-touch yeah. device, Maybe they'll do it. Who knows, right? Touche. I, I just don't see that happening because I don't, I don't see the market actually asking BlackBerry for a full-touch device, at least not running Android. We all know for a fact that if it was running BlackBerry 10, then there's plenty of people who would go ahead and want that, but not an Android device because the Android market is already flooded with full-touch devices. So. We, we'd heard some, you know, some talk about you know, a classic 2 or a passport too, and you wonder where that those ideas kind of stand now, right? Because we're on on a totally different ecosystem in terms of the platform for software. So you know, I'd like a passport too, maybe, or, or maybe even a classic. Maybe that's what the Vienna is, right? Their their version of a classic too running Android. But it seems like they're gonna kind of stay in line with some of the device factors that they're, they've shown have some resilience still. And again, it's just weird, I guess, that they come back to the market with a, a slider device where they try to cater to both parties. Just very interesting stuff. We'll have a lot more to talk about, and we're continuing to work on the back end to make sure we can elevate the show. A lot of people liked having Sean on as a guest, so we're going to be exploring, reaching out, to get some other cool guests on for you guys to make sure and keep the experience here light as we wean ourselves over to this Android uh, stuff that's going on these days. But this has been Upstream number 76. I want to thank Blaze as well. Congratulations to our various winners. Check out the Crackberry posting of this podcast to make sure that your name is listed there. And Alex as well, thank you for coming on as always, man. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be here. <laughs> <laughs> Alex and Brian have a lot in common. They're always on Upstream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> anyway, guys, let's hop on this after show. I gotta talk about some Jessica Jones stuff and gotta clear my head. And there's some other stuff I want to talk about. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that on air. <laughs> anyway, guys, have a great night. Later. Later.